Uh, if you're suspended and you're, you're submitting a plan of action, don't admit to doing something wrong if you didn't do anything wrong. Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Okay, so we are live. Uh, we have with us Cherish Liu. How are you, Cherish? Good. Great. And we are live in front of an audience. We're preparing for the Shenzhen Marketing Meetup. Zach is over there checking people in and being awesome. So, Cherish, what do you do? Um, I work for a law, law firm. This law firm um, have eminent sellers um, deal with their account. Okay. Yeah, so he's actually our guest today, CJ. So I thought it'd be cool that she came to our meetup and we're doing a meetup about content creation and we're creating content in front of everybody. Maybe everybody can say hi. Can you just maybe yell out hi? hi. It's audio. Hi. hi. Okay, cool. They're on the podcast too. So this is episode 166. It's going to be online on Tuesday, March 14th globalformasia.com slash episode 166. We have CJ Rosenbaum. And he, actually, Cherish was just in New York City. We talk about it in the interview. And you were, how was CJ? How was New York City? Um, it's a cool. It's awesome. Yeah. He said that you saw uh, that polar bear swim. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a whole bunch of people um, and jumping into cold water. And it was our first time. First time. Next year, I promised I would try it. Oh, you didn't go. Yeah, I didn't. But next year, oh, I'll Oh, next try. year. Yeah. Yeah, so Chinese people think foreigners are crazy, right? Yeah, it is crazy. So there are a whole bunch of foreigners jumping into cold ocean water uh -huh. in New York in February. Yeah. And that's her first impression of New York. Well, uh, yeah, so Cherish helped set up this interview with CJ, and we're going to be talking about account suspensions on Amazon and ways to prevent it. And he really does dive deep into information. I know normally we get people on a show that hide information or, or, or hold things back, but he was just answering every question I had, and he was really giving really good advice for sellers. So definitely listen in, and if you want any links or show notes, go to globalformation.com slash episode 166. All right, Cherish, let's go. Thanks. All right, thank you everybody for tuning in to another Global From Asia podcast. We have with us the Amazon seller's lawyer, CJ Rosenbaum. Thanks for being here, CJ. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. I'm really looking forward to our talk. Yeah, yeah, we've been looking forward to it too. We've been we've been working to get this together for a while, and um, I'm excited to have you. So you're based over in in New York, generally, right? Yes. Yeah, we work. Yeah, we have an office in Manhattan, and my team works out in one of the suburbs of Manhattan. Okay. Cool. I used to, I lived in Lower East Side and uh, also I lived in Murray Hill for a bit in Manhattan back in my other life. <laughs> so it's a great city. It's still my favorite city for sure. So do you mind maybe giving us a brief intro for, for listeners about you, CJ? Yeah, not at all. Not at all. Um, well, I've been practicing law a little bit over 20 years. I, I can't believe how, how fast the, the time has gone. And ever since I graduated law school and got my license, I've always represented uh, entrepreneurs in various business dealings. And in addition to that, I was doing a lot of trial work. I'm one of the few lawyers that's actually tried you know, hundreds of cases. Wow. And uh, at a certain point in my life, uh, I, I was going through some, some life changes and a divorce. And simultaneously with that, a great client of mine had purchased an Amazon-based business 
And I had helped him evaluate the business years before. And so he buys the business, puts hundreds of thousands of dollars down. And within a few weeks, he gets suspended. So he calls me up. And, you know, he, he's, he's just like every other seller that I've come to know is just in a, in a panic that these, the account is down. They're holding tons of money and there were no lawyers out there to help them. Uh, there were some of these consultants out there who we didn't really trust. Uh, one of the consultants, you know, pretends to be a, a big time seller and she really never was. A couple of the other consultants out there. Uh, say they worked at Amazon, that's sort of their special sauce, but people that sell a performance and product quality are no longer even located in the U.S. And I start looking into it, and I, and I just love it. I love working with entrepreneurs. So uh, I basically stopped what I was doing, started studying Amazon, going to Amazon events, learning the platform, um, hiring people. We reviewed every case we could find that Amazon has been involved in over the last 20 years and wrote a book called the Amazon Law Library. And, you know, fast forward till today, uh, we're the number one law firm, I believe, in the world, helping Amazon sellers with their suspensions, both non-intellectual property rights suspensions, like, you know, we do a ton of inauthentics and you sold as new and A to Z claims. Also, it can handle uh, intellectual property issues, which the non-lawyers really have no business handling. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learn it day from sellers, and I and I love it. And I love the travel, and I love working with the entrepreneurs of the world. Very cool. And uh, you know, here we are. We're tremendously. Yeah, that's great. So this is like your niche now for sure, right? So this your main your main practice is helping Amazon on sellers. It's pretty much all we do. Wow, suspensions. Uh, Intellectual property rights and non-intellectual property rights suspensions are about 80% of the practice. Okay. And uh, it's great. We get people reinstated just about every day of the week. That's right. And we get intellectual property rights on every day of the week. And it, it, it's great. I really like what we do. Very, very cool. And yeah, you know, we're... We've connected actually through one one of your new team members, Cherish, who's who's a listener, and she's she's a great she's a yeah great person here in China. So I'm sure you work with a lot of Chinese sellers, or do you want to share? Of course, we don't want to reveal specific clients, but I think a lot might be based in China, or is there is there some kind of percentage of is it of, of locations of uh, of the sellers that are having issues, or is it? Probably, I would say probably about twenty percent of our practice is helping sellers who are located in mainland China, mostly Shenzhen. And I got to tell you, Cherish, if you're out there, I am blessed yeah, to have great. Cherish on our team. She is absolutely awesome. Uh, she came to New York a few weeks ago, and we did some real intensive training and had her over, you know, with my my wife and my children. And awesome. she's smart and dedicated and hardworking. And I'm just Cherish, I, I'm blessed to have you on our team. I'm sure she's listening. So she's, yeah, she's definitely great. And, and uh, so, yeah, I think Chinese sellers especially need a lot of help. And well, any seller, like you said earlier in the, in our talk is, it's a nightmare. I mean, I just was chatting to somebody on, on WeChat last night and he's not having a problem now, but of course, sometimes he goes to sleep at night, afraid that he might get an email from the seller central team or something, you know, it's, it's really a, it's really paranoid, you know, paranoia almost. Cause you know, uh, like we've had other podcasts on the, on the past, you know, try to have other, other channels. Cause 
it's a little bit scary to just be dependent on on Amazon purely, right? Um, there's blog posts I've read that make me make me cringe, and uh, is you know, I mean, maybe what's the main main reason, or you know, what's what's the? I know Amazon doesn't even sometimes tell people, but is there some common common trends you see? Yeah, the largest source of of suspensions are are is this nonsense called inauthentic which is where Amazon wants to see where you're getting your products from. It's not that they're accusing you of selling fake products. It's that they just want to see the distribution chain from how you obtained your products. And that's a significant portion of the suspensions. When it comes to specifically uh, the sellers that are located in China, the intellectual property right complaints that are made against the Chinese sellers are just off the charts. And the, the real the truth of the matter is, is that there's practically never a basis for these complaints. OK, because in, mm. in the United States, you can buy a product and as long as it's not counterfeit, you can sell that product. You don't have to be authorized by anybody. You don't need the manufacturer's permission. If you can buy it, you can sell it for the most part. And so we deal with a lot of that. Okay. And um, it definitely seems a bit more difficult for the sellers who are located in China or even with just Asian names, um, we're very successful. I got a, a list of successes here uh, in front of me to talk about some case sure, studies. Sure, I definitely want to talk case study that makes it makes it great. Yeah, so uh, maybe yeah, maybe we can jump into cases. Um, you know, it's I, I maybe I'm wondering, does it come from Amazon or is it sometimes? I know in Chinese e-commerce, even before Amazon was such a hit, you know, eBay days and website days, they're sometimes brutal, very competitive to each other. A lot of times I think even Chinese sellers listening or any seller would agree that they're, they're a little bit, um, cutthroat kind of. So do you think it's coming from competitors trying to sabotage their business or is it Amazon themselves like policing it or the customer? Do we know like any ideas or maybe we don't know what, where it's coming yeah, it's from? Kind of, it's kind of all of the above. There's definitely a significant portion of the complaints are made by competitors just trying to knock their competition out. Um, so that's a portion. You certainly have Amazon kind of playing both sides of the fence where you know, they're coming to China and they're going to the factories and they're soliciting business. Uh, but then they'll do their own sweeps where they knock people off selling particular brands uh, with no rhyme or reason and just to come in and, and knock people off. And then you also have the brands who are stepping in, trying to enforce, um, they're trying to falsely maintain their prices, and they're kind of using flaws in Amazon's system to get their competition, you know, your listeners, to get them suspended, yeah. even though they don't have a valid intellectual property right complaint. Mm -hmm. But they're using the ability to make the complaint as a way of knocking people off yeah. and, and parting competition. I've, I'm a little bit nervous. I've had, I, if years ago I was, even I wasn't actively selling it. I'm actually not currently actively selling myself, but I've, I've had a few different e-commerce businesses in the past. And as an, I'm a U.S. citizen and they brands sometimes somehow what has happened for me is, uh, I've had staff that work for me and I have an about us page with their name. And of course my, they, these brands are searching those person's names. This is actually off Amazon, a little bit different, but those, those brands are, yeah, they got huge teams just trying to hunt people down. Cause they, they sent subpoenas to my uh, 
house in America, uh, subpoenaed me for information on this person. And, and, uh, it was a little bit, it really it scared my parents cause it goes to my parents' address and they opened my mail and they were freaking out. You know, it, actually people, they, they got, uh, served in, in person to my parents' house. Uh, they were asking for me. So, uh, it freaked them out at the neighbors, neighbors are looking out the door and stuff. So it, yeah, brands, I can agree. I don't want to reveal the brand, but they're, they're pretty vicious. I think, I guess that's what their job is, right. To protect their clients or their brands. So they're, they're really doing whatever they can to, uh, to, uh, like you said, just maintain pricing or, or control their market or control. I'll tell you, they, I think there's a right and wrong way to do everything. So if there's a brand and let's use Nike, for example, and, and, and someone's taking the Nike swoosh and they're sticking it on their own shirt or their own hat. You know, then I think Nike has every right to try and shut that seller down because they're really violating their rights. On the other hand, if you have a, distri- a, distrib- a distributor who's selling a few pallets of real Nike sneakers and Air Jordans to somebody else, you know, there's, there's no violation there. As long as you're selling the real deal, Okay, and as long as you're not copying their verbiage, there's no violation. And Nike, Apple, Samsung, all these major brands, you know, they know better. But what they what they count on is that the sellers aren't going to stand up to them or they're not going to get a lawyer. Mm. I can tell you, you know, practically all the complaints that we deal with, we get the brands to withdraw their complaints. Because once a lawyer stands up for the seller and you're on equal footing. They back down because they're wrong, you know, and sometimes even if the brand is right, they'll back down because, you know, they have so many other interests. Like no brand wants to be known as someone who put a family out of work or caused people to be laid off. So all you have to do is really is if you're a seller and you got knocked off and the complaint is baseless, you know, you got to stand up and, and you'll get your listing back. You'll get your account back. Very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. I'd love to get in some case studies. I know it's maybe we can make, make them a little bit generic or not. Of course you can't reveal names or anything, but do we have some, you can give us some examples. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to use all, just all the, all the Chinese, you know, I understand most of your audience is, yeah. is located They're in China, in China, China or Asia. Yeah. You know, we, we recently got a, a, uh, a suspended. So the whole account was down because uh, another brand alleged that their uh, plumbing supply—it's uh, a piece. I got to be—I got to be—you know—kind of. Uh, I can't identify exactly what the product was because sure, every sure. deal with has the attorney-client privilege. Understood. So we have to keep everything secret. Yeah. And so a pl- another plumbing competitor said they were they were counterfeiting their product, and we we had the patent, we had the trademark filing, we got the documents we needed from the United States Patent and Trademark Office. And we got that complaint withdrawn because when you have a competitor who's making a complaint and when you can show their complaint is baseless, you can get their account suspended. And just like your listeners, you know, can't sleep at night worrying Mm -hmm. about that email. the people who are making the complaints have that same worry. Got it. We reached out to them. We said, here is our patent. Here's our trademark. If you don't withdraw your complaint. We're going to make a complaint about you and you're going to lose your account while we get reinstated. And, mm-hmm. you know, they withdrew and our, our client is back in business selling their number one product. 
Uh, we've dealt with a lot of Chinese sellers who are selling in the UK and in France and in Germany and Italy and Spain. And uh, it, it's kind of the same thing. Like in, inauthentic in the U.S. is the same as an inauthentic in, in France or Germany. And you put the receipts together. You make it really simple and persuasive in that plan of action. And we get the sellers, you know, reinstated. Uh, we've also had we've had success negotiating distribution agreements and licensing agreements for sellers who are located in China but selling in the U.S., where a brand has made a complaint and we've negotiated great deals for our clients, get those complaints withdrawn and then get back to selling. We've dealt with kitchen supplies and, and health and beauty and a whole host of products um, where there's been suspensions for inauthentic IP complaints, um, you sold as new complaints where maybe you're selling a product that might be like in last year's packaging. Mm. A customer gets it and complains that it's, it's a new product, but they, they claim you sold as new. And you just show it's, it wasn't used. It was just the 2015 or 2016 packaging. Got it. There's also ways, there's a lot of ways that sellers can avoid suspensions, right? which I think is yeah, really important. I think this would be great. Yeah, it's on my on my list to talk about, which would, because yeah, I mean, if they could be more confident that they're doing the right things, I mean, a lot of times they don't might not know. Um, so yeah, sure, I'd love to hear ways that they could reduce the uh, reduce the uh, risk. Okay, a couple of things like when a set, when a, a buyer makes a complaint. Just give them the product for free. Give them back their money. Send them another one. Just make that buyer happy, even if the buyer is ripping you off. You know, keep your eye on the ball, which is keeping your account live. So if you have to let a client sort of, you have to let a customer, you know, beat you out of a few bucks, let, let them have it. It's better than having to deal with a suspension or losing an ASIN. Uh, if you're selling products where the packaging changes frequently, you know, like a lot of products that are geared like health and beauty and women's products, the packaging changes very, very often. And so you're selling a new product, but when it's arriving at the consumer, the packaging is different. So I think sellers really need to be on top of the packaging and the products. What's in the store and what does their packaging look like? And if your packaging is a bit older or faded or outdated, you know, put it on a different listing, put it as a used you know, unused, sold is new, but you can put in the description that it's never been opened. But if your packaging is different, you got to make sure the consumer knows about it. Um, you want to make sure that they're packaged properly so they don't show up on the uh, the doorstep all banged up. Mm-hmm. And these are the things that uh, once you're suspended, we argue to Amazon that you're going to change to make yourself a better seller. But you might as well do them in advance. Uh, I think watching the forums and seeing where the trends are. Or, or staying in touch with my office through our uh, our email blast. Like, um, if you're selling NFL products right before the Super Bowl, you had a significant chance of being suspended. So, unless that was a large portion of your business, you should have gotten out of it. When uh, Major League Baseball comes back around and all sorts of the World Series, if you're not making a ton of money, don't sell their products when it comes to the World Series. Yeah. Just bail out for. Got it. Very cool, very cool. So this is very helpful. Thanks, thanks for being so open, CJ. I know, actually, a lot of times, you know, I'm really happy you're sharing, you know, online and, and with me and others, and um, 
It's, it's really, it's really great. So thanks. Thanks for that. Um, normally, so somebody gets suspended, like you say, they're urgently contacting you and anybody they can, anybody else they can get, you know, get help from. So they're freak, you know, freaking out. What, what's the normal time frame? you should, I mean, I know it probably depends on the case, but is there some kind of range you could tell somebody to prepare for like being down or having an ace on down or, well, I can tell you this, you know, if you high, if you, if you reach out to us and we think we can win and we accept you as a client, I guarantee you, we're going to draft your plan of action within two business days. Um, usually it's the same day, uh, but always within two business days. I know there are others, other people out there telling people seven to 10 days and the whole time the seller's out of work. Um, so we do our turnaround two days. Now, how quickly Amazon responds, <laughs> you know, that's out of our control. Yeah. There are sometimes you get it within a couple of hours. They're supposed to respond within two days. And I would say on average, on any given suspension, if I had to average it out, you can probably count on being out of business for about a week, you know, a week and a half. Mm. Some will be faster. Some will be slower. Um, but that's probably the average even though they're supposed to respond within two days because the vast majority of plans of action, you get back an email saying, okay, we received your plan of action, but can you give us more information about, you know, a or B, or can you tell us again, or tell us how you're going to prevent these complaints from happening in the future? So you got the people in, in uh, India and Ireland and Costa Rica who are sort of checking boxes Mm. and, more often than not, they want a little bit more information. So you end up doing a plan of action and then responding to another email or two or three, giving them extra information. Makes sense. Uh, and of course, it's not allowed to have more than one account, but I guess usually it's ASIN that's ASIN that's, that's usually taken down more, or is it the whole account? Uh, is... All right. I think this this is a great topic. Okay. okay. Related accounts and multiple accounts is an <laughs> I could spend hours, yeah. hours talking about this. Okay. Here's, here, here's the deal, okay? I think it's absolutely insane that Amazon forces sellers to put all their eggs in one basket when Amazon is the most diverse company on the planet, okay? <laughs> but if you're going to have related accounts, if you're going to have multiple accounts and you want to avoid Amazon linking them up, you have to be really good and really organized and be really careful. Okay, you can't use the same computer. You got to make sure you're using a VPN. You can't use the same phone. You can't log in from home. You know, you want to make sure that the names on the accounts are different. If you can, different addresses. And then you got to be really careful about it. And it's purely, in my mind, a business decision whether you're going to get the extra safety of having multiple accounts so you're protected in case one closes down. And then you got to compare that to the extra risk of Amazon linking the two accounts or five accounts or 10 accounts together. Got it. Which would mean they shut them all down, I guess, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree with you. I mean, it doesn't make much sense. Uh, yeah, Amazon's you know, a little bit hypocritical there, right? I mean, they got their whole complex multi- jurisdiction global organization where they can kind of play different games and they don't let their own sellers do the same thing a little bit, you know, but I think, I think actually in this area, when it comes to, to having multiple accounts, 
I, I think the Chinese sellers have a couple of advantages over the American sellers. Okay. You know, for, for one thing, since everyone's using VPNs, it makes it a lot harder to track IP addresses. True. So that throws it in. The, the uh, vast amount of common Chinese surnames makes it harder. Uh, uh, the fact that Chinese businesses have much more employees than American businesses of the same size, you know, makes it easier. So I also from, you know, from from being there a few times, I see that the Chinese sellers are so incredibly savvy and, and organized and really use technology to an extent that I don't really see with American sellers. Um, so I think there are a lot of advantages that the Chinese sellers have in terms of maintaining multiple accounts that a lot of Americans you know, don't enjoy. Yeah, I totally agree here. Um, yeah, I've been here almost 10 years, so I've. I've been through a lot of different phases of the e-commerce platforms and yeah, like, but we've had previous guests too saying, you know, Chinese take this a lot of times, U.S. sellers are doing this as like their, their side hustle or their, you know, a secondary income or passive income. But I think Chinese are doing this as their full-time, full-time job. And this is like what they do. So they're, they're studying this you know, in in a way, good in a good way. I mean, they're studying deeply how to, you know, leverage everything they can. So, so also from what I've seen, yeah, go ahead. The uh, the Chinese sellers are. I mean, you guys are so focused. You know, where where the Americans, you're right, have other jobs, have other things that they're doing. Where the Chinese sellers also seem to be younger, more yeah. energetic, much more focused solely on this being a business. Yep. Uh, and the, the use of the technology is just mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what will compare to uh, other places around the world? Yeah, I, I, I'm sure you've seen some. I've seen some operations here. That's yeah, it's mind blowing. It's <laughs> mind really crazy. So, so really cool. I, I know. It's, I really appreciate you with the time zone differences and everything uh, get, sharing with us today. Um, any any last kind of tips or ad- advice for sellers? I mean, we've kind of we've given such great value, but is there is there Actually, something my, we can think like a conclusion? My focus is on dealing with suspensions for the most part. This is what I would say. If you get suspended, take a deep breath, okay? And I'd be very careful who you hire. When you hire an attorney, whether it's me or, or another law firm, um, you got to hire somebody who is obligated to keep your secrets secret and who has obligations to you. If you hire someone who's who's not an attorney, their obligations are really to themselves, you know, not so much to you. Like, you know, I don't sell anything because that would create a conflict with my clients. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so you really want to be careful. If if there's some reason why, where you can't afford, you know, to, to pay, you know, an attorney to handle these issues, I would stay away from the people that sell forms. Okay. Because they're selling the same form hundreds and thousands of times. So Amazon's people have read those forms also. You'd be better off writing your own plan of action than buying a form online. I would also warn sellers that if you see a certain site where they guarantee a hundred percent success rate, they are not telling the truth. Nobody has a hundred percent success when it comes to Amazon. So you can't believe everything that you read. Um, 
Also, I don't mind helping sellers help themselves. You know, we get calls and emails and WeChat messages all the time. And we're happy to give out, you know, give out some advice so you can help yourselves. So if, you, if you're a small seller or you just started and, you know, you really can't afford the fees, give us a call. Talk to us. We'll try and walk you through the through a resolution. Uh, but certainly don't don't buy the forms online. They don't help. And in fact, they can make things a lot worse. And I guess the thing I would end with is that uh, if you're suspended and you're, you're submitting a plan of action, don't admit to doing something wrong if you didn't do anything wrong. Okay. Because that can sort of mess up the system as you work your way down the mechanism to get reinstated. So a lot of people think you got to admit to doing something wrong and you just don't. You, know, you can write how you can be better. You can write how you're going to improve your business. Uh, but you certainly don't need to admit to doing something wrong if you didn't make any mistakes. Very good. Yeah, that's really great advice. Because like sometimes they, you know, I'm not going to say MS specifically, but of course, a lot of times people just want you to settle, right? Or they just want you to accept or, or you know, even you can see it in some movies, right? They're just trying to get you to, you know, trap yourself. But there's always that U.S. saying, right, You're, you have a right to an attorney, Anything you say can and be can and will be used against you. <laughs> so yeah, maybe saying less or, or right. definitely not admitting, but maybe also not saying too much either for until you have professional advice. Well, it used to be people used to think that just admit you did something wrong, take responsibility, and then they'll get you back on. And it's not true because now they're weeding out sellers a lot more, mm. and that admission of doing something wrong, especially if you didn't, is not helpful. God. You know, and at the end of the day, like let's say you get suspended, right? And you write your plan of action and Amazon says no, right? Mm. And then you write to a policy team and a policy team says no. And then you write to the Bezos team and Bezos says no. You still have the right to go to arbitration and take the decision out of Amazon. If in the first set of documents you wrote that you made a mistake, that you didn't do, that you did something wrong, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot at mm. the end of the day. This is great. Where if if you write that you're just going to improve, you're going to do better, you can still at the end of the day get reinstated because you can take them to arbitration. Got and it. we're doing that for Chinese sellers as well. Got it. Wow, this has been really thanks, thanks, CJ. This is uh, it's really great advice. So, how can people reach out to you? I, I know you you got some great websites. You mentioned WeChat. What, what's the preferred ways or ways people can well, find you? Our WeChat is uh, Amazon Sellers Lawyer, you know, all lowercase, all one word, no spaces, Amazon Sellers Lawyer. The website is the same thing, Amazon Sellers. Sellers is plural, you know, S-L-E-E-E-R-S, lawyer.com. You can email me, CJ, Amazon Sellers Lawyer. Um, If you're more comfortable, you know, speaking and reading, you know, Chinese, at the top of our website, there's a button that says it says China or Chinese, and the entire website has been translated into Chinese. Um, my assistant Cherish, who's our our Shenzhen manager, is fluent in both languages, and uh, we are really committed to the Chinese market. We're uh, opening up more offices in, in Guangzhou and Dongguan over the next two months or so. Great, very exciting. And, uh, Reach out. We'll get back to you. We we try and get back to everyone within a day or so. 
Um, sometimes it takes a little bit longer depending on how, how busy we are. But if you write email, WeChat, do a case submission on our website, um, you will hear back from either me or Cherish or both of us. Very cool. Wow, CJ, thank you again. And uh, we'll link all this up on the show notes as always so people can get to your website or WeChat or other other details that we mentioned today. So thanks again and uh, have a great day. Thank you too. You too. Okay, so thank you, CJ, for being on the podcast. Uh, he did that. You know what time that was? Um, she helped set up the time. AM. 12 a.m. Yeah, it was uh, it was 11 p.m. in New York. He was in Philadelphia at a conference. Yeah. And he's doing a podcast interview with me at 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. So the time zone difference is different. I usually was hoping, I was, we were trying to schedule it so that it was his morning, mm-hmm. but we worked out. It was like really in the middle of the night. So thank you, CJ, for staying up so late and doing it from his hotel at a conference in Philadelphia. And Cherish was great to help set it up. And uh, the Cross-Border Summit is coming soon. April 21st and 22nd. We're getting lots of interest. We have people actually in the audience today that are coming and Cherish will be there too. And she was there last year. I remember it was great that you came right into Shenzhen. Where were you coming from? Nanjing. Nanjing. And you had just moved to Shenzhen. So you got to meet some great people. And so it'll be great to see you've come so far and now you're doing great work with CJ. And thanks. Thanks again. Thank you. All right. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.